Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Bless the She That Believe. We are still in season one and we are on episode 10. I have titled this Forgive But With Conditions. Oh, it's going to be good. This is going to be good and it's probably going to ruffle a couple of feathers because forgiveness is always a touchy subject for many people. But we're going to jump into it. But first, we're going to start with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for everything that you have blessed us with, Father God. Your word says to bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Father God, let us not forget the many things that you have done for us and just starting off with allowing us to still be here when we woke up this morning allowing us to make it home at night father god from work without being in a car accident without something tragic happening to us father god we thank you right now for the air in our lungs father god we thank you for eyesight we thank you for thinking um with clarity, having a cognitive ability to reason, Father God. We thank you for allowing us to swallow our food, Father. There are so many people who have diseases or are going through cancer treatments or, or anything like that, that it's hard for them to swallow, Father God, their food. They have to be fed intravenously, Father. So we pray for them right now in Jesus' name. And we ask for your divine healing to come through for them, Father God. And we pray for us that we always remain grateful, Father God, and humble before your almighty hand, Father God, because it's of your mercies that we are not consumed. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, even when we weren't faithful to you. Thank you, Father God for this podcast thank you father god for each and every listener and i just come against every distraction every everything that could possibly pop up at an inconvenient moment such as now i come against it right now father god let your angels excel in strength to hold back the enemy and his minions father god from keeping these listeners from hearing your word father god i just thank you right now in jesus name i pray amen all right everyone um so I'm back, you know, from surgery and praise God it was successful and um it was it was rough to have to sit down to be made to sit down and have people take care of me. I'm used to um doing things on my own. I am so excited for the day when there is a man in my life who tells me to sit down and I will gladly acquiesce to that request. Yes, I will. Thank you for telling me to sit down. <laughs> but um, very hard, very hard if you're um, always on the go like I am. used to being independent and just getting things done. And when you have a major surgery like what I've just gone through, um, you can't. You can't, it is literally life and death when you're recovering because you can pop something out of like it's you know you just you lay there and be still mm, that's a scripture right there be still and know that I am God so I had to be still and let people take care of me and that's really hard for me to do because I'm always the server I'm always the giver um, helping other people even sometimes when I should put boundaries up. But this that's not what we're here for today. But just know I'm doing much better. It's still slow progress. 
I really want to work out. I had just gotten into a really good workout routine and now I'm having to start over from scratch once I'm completely healed and it's driving me crazy. I hate that. <laughs> Every time you start something that's really good for you, something comes along and it just knocks you out. That's the enemy. But it's okay because I got something that works. Well, anyway, forgive, but with conditions. What does that mean? What is forgiveness to you? Think about that. What does forgiveness mean to you? Is forgiveness something that you do on with conditions? When you have conditions, that means you have like a check checklist of things that have to be met before the forgiveness is given to you or given to the person that you need to forgive. So if somebody hurts your feelings, let's say it's always easier to use this with siblings. Let's say when you were a little kid or growing up in the house with your siblings, one of your siblings broke your toy. Or they, yeah, they broke, oh no, you know what? I'm not even gonna use that example. (laughs) You and your siblings are fighting, play fighting, right? You ever seen an example where the brother, the older brother hits the younger sibling too hard and they start crying like, shh, 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 hush, hush, hush. Because they don't want the mom to find out. They don't want to get in trouble, right? Let's use that example. Your older sibling hits you, pops you upside the head too hard and it hurt. You start crying. Like, hush, hush, hush. Do you say, well, what are you going to give me if I don't tell mom? That's a condition. <laughs> you know, like. I'll forgive you and I'll let this slide, but what you gonna get, what are you gonna do for me? And I just want to ask you if that's how you're forgiving people, did Jesus do that to you? I'm gonna stay up here on this cross and I'm gonna forgive your sins, even when you hadn't even chosen me. I'm gonna forgive, I'm gonna go ahead and forgive your sins, you know. Because I'm going to stay up here anyway Because I'm praying that you are going to choose me And I will forgive your sins when you choose me Um, But Here's the thing Uh, I need you to do some stuff First I need you to go like You know when I say jump you need to ask me how high No he didn't do that He died on that cross Even before we chose him Even if you don't know Jesus and have a relationship with him he went to the cross for you too he stayed up on that cross until it was finished he stayed there for you too and he never made any conditions known all he asked is that you follow you take up your cross and follow him that's it he didn't tell you to go across the world and do no he loved us because he he it says in the Bible in first John it says, I love him because he first loved me. He loved us with a love that we can never match, we can never even comprehend. And he did it first. Even when we said we hated him through our words, through our actions, when we turned our back on him, he still loved us with no limitations, no reservations, no conditions. Even for those of you who do believe in the Lord. 
and you do have a relationship with the Lord, even every single time you walked away from him to go sin, the backslide, he was still standing there waiting for you to come back. And your sin is as far as the east is from the west. You want to know why it's as far as the east is from the west? Because the north and south, those are um, definites. Infinite is east and west. That's his love and that's how much forgiveness he has given. Like he's, oh God, it's just so good. Like, and I'm just sitting here because this is a heavy, this is a heavy um, episode that we're in. That's my chair squeaking y'all and the guys out there lawn. Every time I come here, he wants to cut the grass at the same time. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's. When you think about God's love for you and how he forgives you, it's it's overwhelming and it's very heavy because I just think about the times that I tried to withhold forgiveness from people and it's like, why? And I'll, I will say this, I'm usually quick to forgive because for me, it's like life is too short. Because what if I'm trying to withhold forgiveness and God forbid I have a heart attack while I'm trying to hold, withhold forgiveness? Oh my gosh, that's awful. You know, I, I just, I don't want to, and that's a weight that I don't want to carry. Unforgiveness, that's a weight. That's a burden. Lay aside every weight and burden that so easily besets you. Every weight and sin that so easily besets you. Carrying unforgiveness is a sin. I want to talk about that. You cannot forgive and forget if you continue to hold on to your past hurt. People say forgive and forget, but a lot of people don't forget. Or I've actually been hearing recently, I'll forgive, but I won't forget. Well, then you hadn't forgiven because God doesn't remember your sin. He forgot. He he don't even know what you're talking about. When you go to him and say, Lord, I'm sorry for that thing I did to him. If you already repented of it, and you letting you're allowing um, shame and guilt to eat you up, and you keep going to the Lord. He's gonna be like, "What are you talking about? I don't even remember that." Because he cast it into the sea of forgetfulness. Like it's it's done when you repent and you you tell him not, "I'm sorry," because repentance is different than apologizing. And a lot of people have that messed up. That's why you keep going back to that sin, among other things. Because repentance means you're doing a 180, not a 360. Because if you do a 360, you're going to be back where you started. Repentance is doing a 180. You're going in the opposite direction of the sin. And you're making, you know, you're making it known that you're walking away from that. That's a 180. So, yeah, we, we got to get terminology together too. But you can't forget. If you can't, you say you can't forget what happened. Of course, we're not going to forget what we had, what happened. We're human. We are not God. God is the only one who can forgive something and literally forget it. That's what make that's one of the one of the things that make him God. Because if we can do that, then we would be God. And I don't want to. That'll be horrible if you ask me. So we we remember things, but but. You know you have truly gotten over something when you have the ability to hurt the person who hurt you and you don't act upon it. 
That's how you know you have truly gotten over it. That's how you know you have truly forgiven that person. When you have the ability to do the same thing or worse to that person who hurt you, but you don't act upon it. You can smile, be cordial. You know, I know there are some circumstances that you just don't, you're not in the same vicinity, but some people, it could be a coworker. It could be um, a classmate. It could be your boss. So you would have to be in the vicinity of that person. But, you know, I know there are different circumstances for everything. But yeah, when you have the ability to demean that person, the ability to throw that person under the bus, the metaphorical bus, when you have the ability to hurt that person, ruin their lives. And it could be justified too. It could be very justifiable. But you don't act upon it. You have really forgiven that person. <sighs> your present is your past. Yes, the present that you are currently living in right now is what you have not resolved in 2021, 2020, 2016, 1979. You are living in your unresolved past if you are holding on to unforgiveness. You're going to continue to cycle through that until you break the cycle. And guess what? You can. Through Jesus Christ, we are made new. You don't have to stand in unforgiveness. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, we are told in Christ, all things have passed away and all things have been made new. Isn't that wonderful? We don't have to dwell in the things that are the past any longer so we can press toward the mark of a brighter future today. I can testify to this because I was molested as a young girl between the ages of six and eight years old. And in 2021, I was raped. So as I became an adult, and even while I was an adult, I began to see the effects of the trauma from both instances when um, I was in college because, you know, I didn't tell anyone I was molested until I was like 21, 22 years old. I didn't tell my parents until then. And I didn't see any effects of that until I was dating in college with my ex-boyfriend. And I never realized I functioned at a high level of stress all the time, which stemmed from anxiety. The anxiety came from the trauma that I experienced as a young child. And it wasn't until like a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was last week, I was dealing with anxiety. I fight anxiety on a daily basis. I fight it. I fight it. And the reason I'm not on medication is because I'm just now being made aware through therapy that I fight anxiety. And I don't say that I have it because I'm not claiming it. I don't claim that I have anxiety. Um... Because I was, one, I was never diagnosed by a medical doctor. It's just going through therapy and my therapist explaining to me what it is and showing me the different examples because it looks a lot like ADD. I was never diagnosed with ADD. I've worked in special education for a number of years. And so I can recognize people who have anxiety and ADD, ADHD, but ADD and anxiety look a lot alike on paper same you know things and stuff um so when i sat down and started reevaluating everything 
I'm like, man, I am fighting this. I'm fighting anxiety. I didn't realize that I was living with it and functioning in it. Functioning. But when you're younger, you don't see the effects of functioning and dysfunction. Because there are a lot of people who function in dysfunction. And I, I functioned in dysfunction for years because of anxiety. Um, and like last week when I was really struggling with it, I heard the Lord tell me, I didn't put that in you. I did not put that in you. That is something that came from the trauma. You don't have to deal with this. You know, and I was like, okay, okay. So now I'm researching um, better ways to eat. Um, because, you know, eating a lot of the bad things, man, I'm not going to call any restaurants out, but just know that chicken comes from heaven and you know exactly what kind of chicken I'm talking about. <laughs> that chicken comes from heaven, you know, eating, eating out and stuff. And, you know, to be honest, as a single person, a lot of times it's cheaper to eat out versus buying groceries. Um, just be honest. It is. Like, I will cook a whole meal, and because of how busy I am, how my schedule is, I may not touch that meal after I cooked it. For And it's sitting in my refrigerator for like over a week. Because I don't have people here in my house to eat that food. Like, I'll eat it. You know, I'll take some for lunch or whatever. But after a while, it's like, okay, I'm tired of eating this. Like, because it's too much food. Um, And I don't like throwing food away. You know? So, I'll give it away or something. But it's like... And it's not that I overcook food, like cook too much. I cook the right amount for me. It's just, I don't have time. So a lot of times, y'all, I work two jobs. <laughs> I'm a full-time school teacher. And then I work at a night school. And the night school, I work two to three times a week. So I'm not getting home till nine o'clock. I'm not eating late like that. So I'll just go to bed hungry, you know? <laughs> not that I don't have food, but because I'm not going to sit there and eat once in a while, I will, because I'm just too hungry, you know, but I'll, it's, it's easier for me to grab something to eat on my way to my second job versus waiting to come back home to eat. And then it's too late and I got to wash the dishes and still got to take a shower, you know, like who wants to do all of that and then turn around and get back up and do it all over again. Like, uh, <laughs> so Yeah. I'm working on researching better foods to eat, which I'm pretty sure it has to deal with the damn fast food, you know, um, fruits and vegetables, you know, non-preservative, not like not food with, without preservatives and all of that good stuff. So I'm just, I'm doing research. I am working out. Well, not right now because I'm still recovering, but, um, my daughter said, take it easy. So I'll gradually get back into walking and doing stuff like that. And when I was um, doing my workouts in the morning before my surgery, I really didn't deal with it. Working out helps a lot. Um, I know there are some people who are on medication for anxiety. And, you know, um, I have a family member who is. She has extreme, like, it's really bad. Um, so I encourage at least work out that could help curve it. Maybe the medicine and stuff like that, you won't have to be at a high dosage of it, maybe. I don't know, like I'm not a medical person, but working out always helps. 
because we are designed to do physical work, not sit around and not do anything. We're designed to be moving. So working out, if you can't do anything else, just, just walk for 10 minutes. There are so many resources. I mean, we're in the age of YouTube. Everybody has a video on YouTube for something. Just do um, a quick 10 minute workout. Like I love Grow With Joe. I subscribe with her. And if she listens to this podcast, hey girl, um, Grow With Joe is awesome because she has so many different workout segments that are designed for your schedule. Like she has 10 minute workouts. She has 15 minute workout, 12 minute, 13 minute, uh, 45 minute, an hour. Like you just, it's like no excuse. And I love that. That's why I, I'm so glad the Lord led me to that channel, but not to digress any further. It's just that, um, when you realize that when you realize your shortcomings, what do you do with that? And so I realized, okay, I fight anxiety. I'm not going to let this beat me. How can I do my part? Because the Bible says faith without works is dead. And I have faith and believe I am healed from anxiety. Healing is a process. So is deliverance. It's a process. I'm healing still. My body was cut into and, you know, like my ovary was taken out because there was a tumor in there. And then I was sewn back up, stitched back up. And even four weeks, five weeks after surgery, I'm still healing. So healing isn't a one and done thing. It's a it's a process. So don't get discouraged at yourself because you messed up one time or you almost slipped. You're still healing. Especially if you're going through trauma. Don't beat yourself up. Don't let the enemy beat you up like that. No. That's why you have to get in this word and speak the word over your life. Because when you speak, that is how you fight in the spirit is by speaking the word. When the enemy came to Jesus to tempt him while Jesus was um, 40 days in the wilderness, Jesus didn't pick up rocks and throw it at him or find a sword and try to chop his head off. He spoke the word. He said, um, I just went blank. <laughs> It is written. He said, it is written. I was looking for that exact phrase. He said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It is written. It is written. It is written. You ain't got to do all this. It is written. Go in Jesus name. Like it is written. I am the head and not the tail above only and not beneath the lender to many nations and not the borrower. I'm blessed coming in and going out. My storehouse is full. It is written that that's how you fight in the spirit with the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. Mm. Right. The word of God is the sword of the spirit. So I have digressed all the way. I don't know who that was for, but that was for you. <laughs> um, yeah. I started feeling effects of the trauma when I was dating. And when I became a special education teacher, I honestly thought I had ADD 
from being around a lot of students, teaching students with those um, who were diagnosed, I'm like, hey, you know, I do the same. You know, I wonder, you know, of course, we go on to Google, you know, and check things out and try to diagnose us. I'm like, oh, I wonder if I got, especially like one time in college, I um, had, I stayed up. Listen, y'all, I was horrible. I was a horrible procrastinator in college, which I think that is, that stems from trying to be in control of stuff, which, you know, I realized, oh, that comes from the trauma too. Mm-hmm. So, horrible procrastinator. I got my work done, but it was horrible because I, I enjoyed the adrenaline rush I got from waiting till the last minute and then rushing and doing everything, but it was stressful. I didn't know I was how much stress I was putting on myself. And so because of that, I um I had a lot of things starting to affect my body as I got older. And I also didn't realize um after I started going to therapy that I internalized a lot of things. And I didn't realize I do that. I talk a lot. So I have had two panic attacks since being an adult. And right before I had them, I just stopped talking because it's like I lose my voice. And isn't that just what the enemy wants for you to lose your voice, to lose the power to speak so you can't say the word of God. And as much as I talk, I recognize the second time I had one that, well, I was getting ready to have one. I was able to stop and start praying and talking to myself internally. Like I did a lot of self-talk, talking myself down and praying because it's like my mouth would move, but nothing would come out. It was like I had checked out and I was driving my car when that happened. It was too much stuff happening at one time and I was driving home. And I just, I had to pull over to the side of the road because I couldn't. It's like I checked out. Um, But both times I I recognized I stopped talking. It's like I couldn't get the words out. I literally felt like my brain shut off. My brain went like, dude, we got to reboot. And it's going to take however long it's going to take before we can reboot. And um, yeah, it's scary. Because it's like, what's happening? I lost control. And all it is, is from being, um, you know, having something like that happen as a little girl or as a child, I'll say, because this happens to men and women, has happened to men and women. Um, You feel like you have no control because someone took the control from you and you were too little to do anything about it and what happened to me is I like I didn't realize it happened until I started dating um I tried to I wanted to be in control of everything everything had to have you know that's why I was procrastinating because I felt like I had the control over everything I could control the time I know exactly what I'm capable to, of producing and 
I know how to get it done. I know what pace to go to get the the product finished, which were my essays. One night, I stayed up all night and typed an eight-page paper and a 10-page paper in one night. Had weeks to get it done. I can do it later. I can do it later. And what's dangerous is when you know that you're gifted in something and you procrastinate. I knew I was gifted in writing. I knew I was. That's why I waited. Because I'm, I got this. Had my Red Bull. Had my Coca-Cola Black. If you remember Coca-Cola Black, which was coffee and Coca-Cola. Had a Coca-Cola. Had everything. And fell right asleep. For hours. Woke up and got it done. That's when I realized as a special education teacher, when I thought back on that moment, I was like, wait a minute. I had a Red Bull, a Coca-Cola Black, and a Coca-Cola, and I fell asleep. Yeah, I think I got about ADD. <laughs> that's what I was like. I think I'm, I'm self-diagnosing myself with that. But no, that's that was that's anxiety. <laughs> you know, um, they have the same characteristics. I had to be in so much control. Um, and I think that's why a lot of people don't want to forgive because they've lost their sense of control because the person who hurt them, they weren't expecting that. It, it blindsided them. That's why you have blind spots in the car because you can't see what's coming. And when that person hurt you, when they did that thing to you, whatever that thing was, when they did that to you, you felt like you lost a sense of control. So you are withholding forgiveness so you can be in control of that person. But actually what you're doing is you're killing yourself. You're committing moral and spiritual suicide. You have to let it go. You cannot be in control of someone else. You cannot be in control of what people do to you. You cannot be in control of how people treat you. What And when I say you cannot be in control of how people treat you, you actually can be by putting up boundaries. But what they do with those boundaries is not for you to decide how you're going to react to that. You have to let the Lord deal with those people. And I know that's hard. I know somebody is probably trying to shut this off and you're not going to be able to in Jesus' name. So... <laughs> You, you cannot control what people do. It's like being in your car and somebody cuts you off. Yes, I do get mad at that because that is annoying. Or either they cut you off and go extremely slow when you were actually going to speed limit. That one time you were going to speed limit and they come and get in front of you and go 10 miles per hour. What in all of the Lord's creation is going on with that? Like, why? Why would you do that? Why would you do that? So... You can't control people. We have free will. And that's why God gave us free will. So that way we would choose him willingly. He didn't want a bunch of robots down here like they're trying to do now with all of this AI technology. Matrix. Anyway, that's another story for another time. Um, so he didn't want a bunch of robots down here. If he wanted robots, he would have made artificial intelligence himself and it would have been perfect. Everything would have been perfect. But what kind of life is that to live? He wants people who want to choose him willingly. He wants us to love him willingly. You have to get up and choose Jesus every single day. Think about that. If you are married, you 
choose your spouse every single day. You choose to love them every single day. You choose to serve them. I hope you are loving and serving them every single day. You choose to honor and obey them every single day. You choose to love them through sickness and in health for richer or poor to death. Do you part not just the physical death, but death of your flesh every single day when you choose to love them and serve them over yourself. You choose, you choose, you have the choice. No, you don't have to forgive anybody. You can hold unforgiveness if you want to, but you're going to die sooner. Physically, you will die. That's stress. That's stress. If I were to have withheld forgiveness for every single situation, every single person who did me wrong, I would be so bitter and I would look like I'm 80 years old. I look like I'm in my 20s. My students think I'm 20-something. They don't think I'm the same age as their moms. They they don't. They're like, there's no way. Miss Miss Cooper, uh-uh. I'm like, hey. <laughs> I am almost 40. Ugh, praise God. I'm not gonna complain. I won't complain. No, I won't complain. Um, praise God. Because everybody don't make it to to almost 40. Um, I'm 37, y'all. 37. But I wouldn't be at 37, I tell you that. I wouldn't be. Because it's a slow death. Unforgiveness is and bitterness and hatred. It's slow, it's those are slow, silent killers. And it tears your family apart. It gives you a horrible perspective of the world. Now the world is the world is bad. Now the world pff, <laughs> We ain't, mm-hmm. the world ain't the world ain't right <laughs> i tell you that but there are so many good qualities that are still here that we still get to experience every single day if we choose to see everything is a choice you always have a choice you're either one choice for making the wrong decision or one choice for making the right decision always a choice you don't have to go to work you choose to go to work no, I have to pay. No, you don't. You don't have to pay bills. Do you realize that? You choose to pay the bills. You can keep all your money. But what are the consequences for choosing not to pay your bills? No water, no heat, no air, no Wi-Fi. Yeah. So everything is a choice. Get out of that mind frame that you have to do stuff. No, you don't. It's a choice. You choose to do it. You choose to, to withhold forgiveness from someone it's a choice so i didn't realize i was internalizing stress and all of this stuff until 2020 2020 i was purchasing my home um i was in grad school i had just started grad school in january of that year i was purchasing my home writing my um solo book wrote an ebook and I was in charge of our virtual vacation Bible school. Because remember, 2020 is when COVID, the pandemic started. So, yeah, I had all of that stuff going on. And um, guess what happened? Because I internalized things that I didn't know it at the time. I was diagnosed with shingles. I woke up one... Y'all, this is 2020, so this is three years ago. So, I was 34 years old. Mm-hmm. 34 years old. And yeah, a 34-year-old with shingles. 
it was running under my arm. Like, and to be honest, I can't even find the spots on my because it was tiny, and it felt like fire. I couldn't put my arm down. It was like it ran all the way under my armpit. I couldn't put my arm down. I, it was awful. I was like, "What is this?" Went to the doctor. You have shit. Doctor said, "Are you okay? Why do you have shingles?" And when I told the doctor everything. Oh, you need to take a break. Because, I mean, buying a home is very stressful. Because at any point in time, everything can fall apart. You think you're about to get this house. Somebody buy it from under you. What? Because they had more capital or they had this. And, you know, like, it, it's, y'all, it was stressful. It was very stressful. So, um, it was bad. And that's when I realized I was internalizing stress. But I was like, man, you know, because on the outside, I was still smiling. I was talking to everybody. You know, I was, um, you know, I'm just, but it was functioning in dysfunction. There's so many people who function in dysfunction. And that's what I was doing. And it was just, oh, also, I forgot. I was um, switching from elementary school to high school. So it was going to be my first year that fall teaching high school. Um because I was still in special education. So I was going to be co-teaching high school classes at the high, at one of the high schools here. So I went from lower level to upper level education. So I had a job transition too on top of that. Y'all, <laughs> I was doing too much. And then of course COVID. <laughs> so I was doing too much. And my mom... um has a pacemaker you know so she was on that list of we got to watch these people and protect them at all costs and I was happy to move out of the house because I knew going to school working with all these different people and and students and stuff it I would be a target to transfer COVID to someone I loved so I was really happy to move out of the house to protect her and my and my dad but at the same time I had a lot of stuff going on Okay, and here's the thing. If you don't uproot the trauma that you're going through, you're going to continue to cycle through the patterns that develop from what you went through. We have to break the cycle. We have to get to the root of the problem and uproot that thing. It takes more than going to the altar and having them nice people lay hands on you or you rolling around on the floor speaking in tongues. And I am not being like disrespectful when I say that. Hear my heart. I was one of them people laying on the floor, crying. I don't know why I keep going back to, you know. And then church is over with. Get that hey, big head text. Oh, hey. Blushing and stuff. What are you like, sis? Come on. Like, you was just on the floor in there. What you doing? But I didn't even know why I was doing that. I did not know why I kept going back to people who didn't care about me, who didn't love me, allowing people to mishandle me. I am a gift. You are a gift too. You want to know why we're gifts? Because the Lord made us fearfully and wonderfully. He made us. We're gifts. We're a peculiar treasure chosen generation a royal priesthood we're gifts don't let people mishandle you 
That's why you have to be aware of who you are in Christ and know your identity because if you don't know what your worth or your value is, people will set the price for you. They will put you on a clearance rack. Sis, bruh, don't let them do it to you. They will put you on a clearance rack and tell you what your price is. No, you better go to the word of God and tell the enemy that you are a royal priesthood. You are a peculiar treasure. You are a chosen generation. You are a vessel of the Lord. Don't ever let anyone disrespect you like that. And I let people disrespect me because I didn't know who I was in Christ. And I lived like that for years. People told me I was pretty. They told me I was smart. And it's like it went in one ear and out the other. It's like I, I can't even say that I purposely said, no, that's not me. I didn't even have that thought. I was just like, oh, okay. Not in the rude way. It's like I just dismissed it. I dismissed it. I never thought of myself as ugly. I never thought of myself as dumb. But I couldn't receive it. It's almost like letting um it's almost like if you have something really slippery in your hands and you try to catch something and it keeps sliding out your hands that's what it was like it was like I couldn't catch I couldn't catch it my internal self couldn't catch what those people were saying about me because the enemy wouldn't allow me to receive it it's like he had blockers on my ears it's like, uh-uh, it's just gonna it's gonna it's just gonna slide through one ear and slide right on out the other. We ain't even gonna let that stay in here. <laughs> and that's what he does to so many people who don't know their self-worth. You you are only gonna find your self-worth in Christ. That's I don't care what help self-help book you read. I don't care. I don't care. If you don't know who you are in Christ, you don't know your worth. Christ tells you your worth, Jesus tells you who you are. His word tells you who you are. You're redeemed. You have been bought with a price. He tells you who you are. You have to. It, I'm telling y'all, the trauma is trauma is so. I I didn't even realize how many people who are close to me have gone through stuff as children, and that's another tactic the enemy uses. Is he he goes to you when you're a child because you're defenseless. Especially if you are in a single parent home. Because I was in a single parent home. He goes after those children. So he can stop them from getting to their purpose. And who God has called them to be. If you don't think God knew you before you were formed in your mama's womb. Why does the enemy fight you so hard when you're a child? Because he's trying to kill the purpose. Y'all I'm, I'm telling you. It's, this whole. You, you have to study the word. Because the Lord will start showing you stuff. He'll start revealing things to you. Whew. Anyway, yeah, so you'll continue to cycle through things until you uproot, until you have a relationship with Jesus. And it's not just having a relationship with Jesus because you can have a relationship with Jesus and just sit in church for the rest of your life. You got to work this thing out. You got to seek his face every single day. You have got to sit under the real unadulterated word. I ain't talking about this stuff that they, this lucky charm uh, these Lucky Charm sermons where they done picked all of the, the cereal out and left the marshmallows. I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about get on some meat and get off that milk. Get off that stuff that y'all. 
Y'all, Jesus coming back soon. Don't don't be out here wanting. Don't be out here lacking. Make sure you got oil in your lamp. He coming back soon. Make sure you have oil in your lamp. Make sure you have everything that you need to go. Be on that first trip out. Y'all is... Listen to what I'm telling y'all. Find out what is in your family bloodline. Get... I'm telling you, get on your face before God and pray over your, your family bloodline. Curse everything that is not a God at the root. I'm telling y'all, that has done so much for me. Like, when you start walking and you're healing and your deliverance, you don't look at people the same no more. Like, I, I don't even go on dates. I don't try to go on a date. <laughs> I try to go... And it's like, you know what? I just don't have the energy. I just don't. Because I can't look at men the same way no more. It's like, you you got some stuff going on. And I can't even deal with you right now. Like, I don't call me back. I'll, I'll, I'll pray for you. I'm not even going to lie and say I'll call you. No, I, I'm just going to pray for you because I I can't. I, I mean, seriously. It's like that now for me. I can't. When you go through, because it's like, I, when you know where you were and the Lord brings you out of that, he shows you yourself. Because the Lord showed me myself. When he showed me exactly how I looked at him in my sin through his eyes. Y'all, that's a, that's a prayer. And I'm going to tell you, the Lord will answer it too. You ask the Lord to show you yourself through his eyes. You, you're going to be on your face crying every single day. Because it's overwhelming. Oof. And when he shows you yourself, you got a grave responsibility. You better not go back to what he brought you out of. You better not go back. And see, that's the thing. Once you come out of it, once you once you come out of it and you you walk this walk, people, it's hard. It's hard. You would literally have to force yourself back into that lifestyle whatever it is that you came out of whatever that stronghold that was it could be um uh drugs alcohol uh adultery homosexuality it could be um lying cheating gambling whatever it was whatever your whatever your your poison was i'll say because it is poison because it's sin and the wages of sin is death but you know the enemy gonna make it look fun he gonna make it look fun Whatever your poison was, when you finally come out of that thing, you know how hard it is. You you have to purpose yourself to go back into that. And the only thing I can think of that is a prime example of that is, is if you ever seen the movie The Matrix. Um, I think the dude's name was Cyrus. He's like the Judas of the bunch because, you know, Matrix is like a whole biblical symbolism thing. But he was like the Judas because he betrayed everybody, right? He wanted to go back into the matrix after he had already come out. He had already been, you know, he, he knows exactly what the reality and the truth is, but he's like, no, nah, I want to go back. That's no different than the children of Israel. When they got to the wilderness, we missed the leeks and the onions, leeks and onions. Were y'all eating those things like without some meat? Did y'all have like steak with those leeks and onions? They just talking about, we miss eating the leeks and onions. That's not good by itself. Those are accessory pieces to meals. I don't understand like if I say I'm hungry and I want some I'm I'm not saying leeks and onions I'm gonna say I want like a fruit bowl 
I want some chicken. I want some steak. You know, pork chops. You know, some mashed potatoes and gravy. You know, I'm thinking about that stuff. I'm not thinking about, oh, I want leeks and onions. Who does that? But see, that's how the enemy will deceive you so much. You just say stupid stuff. You just say random dumb stuff. Oh, I remember when I used to be out there, you know, laid up under under that one. Laid up under that one. No, don't don't do that to yourself. Because what you are doing is you are demeaning the gift that God has given you, which is salvation. And the grace that came with that. Those are gifts. And you are basically spitting on the gifts of God. Don't do that. Don't do that. It's hard because, you know, when you've been walking this thing for years and you see people out there doing whatever they want to do and you don't see any repercussions with that. Remember what happened to you when you was out there doing that and it seemed like you was having fun. You weren't having fun. You were just dumb. <laughs> you were blind to what was actually going on. And think about that heartbreak every time you slept with somebody and they didn't return your text. They didn't, they didn't, they always gave you an excuse. I'm gonna call you later. I'm gonna text you later. How did that feel? How did it feel when you ran into them in public and they like they ain't see you, but they on social media booed up with somebody else? Oh, how did it feel when you were coming down off your high and you started hallucinating, thought demons were after you, which they were because you were actually seeing in the spirit? So, yeah, how did that feel? How did that feel when you went home knowing that you gambled away the mortgage? Who are you gambled away the car note? So now they repossessing your car because you mismanaged your money because you couldn't help yourself because you had unresolved trauma from your childhood because somebody did something to you and you won't forgive them from it so you can move forward. Okay. Um. You're going to continue to go back in that sin, just like the Bible says, 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 22. But it is happened unto them according to the truth proverb. The dog has turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. That's what we look like. A dog eating a vomit or a pig wallowing in mud after being cleaned up. That's what it's like going back to your sin. And if you've been in trauma, whatever Erickson says, whatever uh, stage of development that the trauma happened in, you're going to continue to cycle into it, cycle, cycle that until you break the cycle. How biblical is that? I don't even know if Erickson was a believer, but that sounds a little biblical to me because that's what he just said in Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 22. Forgiveness is not for the other person, it's for you. In the book of Job chapter 42 verse 10 it says, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. The captivity, that means when you're in bondage, you're in bondage to whatever it is that you're in until you forgive whoever hurt you. There's a release when you forgive. There is such a release when you forgive. I can't even explain it. Like I said, I usually forgive people quick. Like, cause it's like, I'll get mad, but it's like, you know what? It ain't even worth it. I, I just, I've been like that since I was a little girl. I got bullied every day in high school. I hated high school. I think I've said it on here before. I did not like high school. There was one time, um, and if the person hears that, hey, look, my story, not yours. Get your own podcast. But <laughs> the person who um, bullied me, 
Um, we all went to a football game, and this person picked me up from my house with some of our, some of our other classmates. Well, dropping me off at home, our neighborhood is real quiet. Well, my parents' neighborhood is real quiet. Um, this person blew the horn to let you know, just bop bop, you know, like that. But it was like eleven o'clock at night, and you know they were just doing that as a send off when I got to the door. My dad was like, hey, you know, next time can you have that person just flash the lights or whatever? Because, you know, it was really loud. And I was like, okay, cool. So I went to this person like, hey, um, and I was a child. You know, well, not a child. I was in high school, but I didn't know how to handle my words when talking to people. So I said, my dad was um, wondering next time you drop me off, could you just flash the lights instead of honking the horn because you know we got elderly neighbors and stuff like that and we don't want to startle anybody you know it's quiet in our neighborhood i didn't say my daddy said to tell you stop blowing out i didn't go to, no i ain't go to him like that but you know hindsight's twenty twenty. i probably should have said hey next time you drop me off at home can you just like flash the lights instead of blowing the horn instead of saying my dad said well this person got irate involved parents that had you know it wasn't even in this it wasn't that big of a deal all i had to say okay no big deal no this person said how about this how about you won't ever ride in my vehicle again this is the person who bullied me every single day in high school always had something negative demeaned me said like just criticized me in front of people everybody's laughing at me like just all the time and i was a quiet person like <sighs> i was a quiet person and everything so it was like i just took it and you know what happened that person got in a car accident and his his vehicle um was total the vehicle was total yeah that person was okay that person was okay walked away with a scratch on the upper lip i believe and i said that to say forgive people and pray for them because that's what the bible asks for us to do we're not supposed to rejoice when things happen to people who have hurt us. We're not supposed to do that. Because the Bible clearly says, um, rejoice not when your enemy falls and let not your heart be glad when he stumbles, lest the Lord see it and it displease him and he turn away his wrath from him. That's in Proverbs 24 and 17 through verse 18. The other side of forgiveness is humility. Humility is the cousin to forgiveness. How can you take joy or pleasure in someone else's suffering when the Lord allowed you to escape with the stuff that you have done to people? Because you've done stuff to people too. And you know that, that Bible verse, everybody like to throw around. 
and say it's karma. No, it's not karma. Please stop. That is a lie from the devil. It is not karma. You see how the enemy always tries to take what God said and turn it into something else. The Bible says you're going to reap what you sow. You will reap what you sow. If you sow joy, you're going to reap joy. If you sow, uh, if you sow thankfulness, you're going to reap thankfulness. It works the op it works the way for the for the negative stuff too. If you sow unforgiveness, you're gonna reap unforgiveness. If you sow bitterness, you're gonna reap bitterness. Why do you think so many generations and families everybody got the same ugly spirit? Because that mess has been reaped and sown for generation after generation. Break the cycle. Y'all gotta do the work. Whew. How can you take joy or pleasure in someone else's suffering when the Lord allowed you to escape with the stuff you have done to people? So now you have made yourself a judge. Are you that righteous that you can celebrate when people fall? No, there is none that do a good. No, not one. None of us are exempt from the wrath of God. It is because of his mercies we are not consumed. See, people always want to say, only God can judge me. Do you understand the gravity of what you're saying? Do you understand the seriousness of what you're saying when you say, only God can judge me? I Listen, <laughs> you should be scared that God is your judge. You should be terrified. Terrified. See, everybody always wants to downplay God. God is love. Yes, he is a God of love. He loves everybody because he made everybody and everything he made is good. But have y'all not read the Old Testament? See, that's why people always want to dismiss the Old Testament because the Old Testament too raw for a lot of y'all. Y'all want to stay in the New Testament where y'all see Jesus being nice and that's not even how Jesus really was because Jesus flipped tables. He turned that whole thing out. See, y'all don't want the real Jesus because see, the real Jesus made of himself no reputation. So I don't understand where y'all are coming from with trying to paint Jesus as someone docile and just quiet. No, Jesus was not like that. Jesus, whew, the Bible says, I came to put mother against daughter, father against son. That's what Jesus, Jesus, y'all Jesus that y'all want to paint and make it look like, oh, he's just so, I just love the Lord and he, he heard my cry. No, Jesus will turn the table over, do something, shake something. Because he going to jump and he going to win. I'm just telling you. Yes, Jesus loves us. God loves us. They're awesome and power and might and strength. But don't get it twisted. Don't get that twist. Don't take them for granted. Because the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 6 and verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? You not. What you're not going to do is take advantage of Jesus. You're not going to take advantage of that grace. Because there was only a season that God would wink at your sin. It says that in the Bible. It was a season where he 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 winced at your sin, not winked. He winced at it. That, that means he kind of closed the eye to it and he didn't want to see it. Because he knew you were ignorant. Ignorant is not stupid or dumb. Ignorant means you were not aware of the truth or the reality of the situation. There was a time where he would kind of, you know, shine an eye to what you were doing. But guess what? Time's up. Time is up. You want to know why I know time is up? Because I'm saying it right now. So you're hearing it. So you have no more excuse because you're hearing the word. That's how 
the Bible is able to say Jesus is not coming back until everybody has heard the word of the gospel being preached. That's why he says go into all the world preaching the gospel. That is our job as believers. Jesus will not come back until everybody has heard the word. So there it will be no excuse. It will not be an excuse that you didn't know that you were supposed to forgive your sister because she tore her head off your Barbie doll or something when she was five. You better forgive her for that. You better forgive her for that. There will not be an excuse for you holding unforgiveness towards your best friend because he stole your girl back in 10th grade. You better forgive him for that and let that thing go. You better let it go. There will not be an excuse for why you didn't forgive the person who raped you. There will not be an excuse for why you didn't forgive your mama because she stole money from you or because your mama put all those men before you as a child. There will not be an excuse for that. There will not be an excuse for why your daddy left you and you held unforgiveness towards him. There will not be any excuses for that. They have to answer for what they did. You are going to have to answer for why you did not forgive them. That's the thing. You can't worry about what they did. Yes, it hurt us. Yes, it may have caused some effects to transpire in our lives years later. But that's why you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You cannot work their salvation out for them by withholding unforgiveness over y'all. They, they going to sleep with drool sleeping on the cool side of the pillow. They're not worried about you and what they did to you 15, 20 years ago. You know, I actually had a bully in fifth grade when I was in um, elementary school. I had a bully. He terrorized everybody. He got kicked out of the class Christmas party on the day we was having the class Christmas. Who does that? Anyway, I ran into him as an adult and he was, y'all, it was funny because he was trying to hit on me and I'm like, dude, I'm like five feet taller than you. Please get away from me, aunt. Um, so, I looked at him after he, he was trying to spit his lines. I looked at him and I said, you don't remember you used to bully me in elementary school? Guess what he said? What you talking about? They don't remember what they did. Sometimes they do. But y'all, I still remember that from fifth grade. Am I mad about it? No. But I still remember. See, it's hard for us to forget it. Because we're humans. We have memories. We have memories. I don't know why we have memories, but we have memories. Probably so we cannot forget the benefits of the Lord. We're supposed to remember the benefits of the Lord and how he comes in and he saves us. He rescues us. He blesses us each and every time we ask for it. So that way, the next time we go through something hard, we remember. But it also brings back some memories that are not so good. But guess what? I remember he bullied me and my friends in class. He always had, he was nasty, just rude, spoiled, spoiled little boy. Did say whatever he wanted to say. But guess what? Okay. <laughs> they ain't bothering me. <laughs> and guess what? What he did and stuff like that back then didn't bother him either. Because guess what? He was trying to hit on me. And I was one of the main people he kept picking on. You know, like... <sighs> Forgiveness is not for the other person, it's for you. 
It does not change the past, but it does enlarge the future. Paul Boo said that. He said that. Forgive others not because they deserve forgiveness, but because you deserve peace. Mel Robbins said that. The weak can never forgive. Forgiveness is the attribute of the strong. Mahatma Gandhi. <sighs> so you see, instead of holding a grudge against someone for what that person has done to you, y'all, I was ready to molest it. I forgave him. Because I knew there was no way the Lord was going to be able to use me the way he needed to use me if I still held the unforgiveness. And I thank God I forgave those two individuals. They obviously had stuff happen to them as children um, or they saw something. Something traumatic had to happen to that those two individuals who hurt me for them to hurt me like that. And I know one definitely had trauma, but see the saying goes, hurt people, hurt people. And it is so true because if you don't go get help, you're going to continue to hurt people and you won't even realize you hurt people. I didn't realize I was hurting people when, um, years before I was, uh, I won't say years before. Well, yeah, years before I was raped in 2021, um, people would hug me. People, you know, especially in church, we're a hugging church, okay? We, we hug on people. But I didn't like the hugs. I didn't like that. And I couldn't understand why. Because I love hugging people. I love hugging people. I'll walk up and just hug people. But see, here's the thing. Control was coming from that stemmed from control because I didn't feel like I had control when people hugged me when they grabbed and hugged me that set that would set me off I, when I tell you I have a bad I would have a bad attitude because it's like who told you you could touch me but I didn't know where that was coming from and that hurt people who were trying to love on me And I've had students, I've had female students say, Miss Cooper, I don't want to be hugged. I was, I was molested when I was a little girl. I don't like hugs. But it's okay if you can hug me. I had a student say that to me and that's when it clicked. That's why I don't like hugs. That's why I don't like people to hug me. Because I didn't know. I had no clue. And so... Then you have people who would go, oh, well, she always got an attitude. That's a, that's a spirit on her. Ugh. You don't know what people went through to judge them that way, to make those kind of um, uh, accusations, to condemn them that way. You don't know what happened to them. I went through trauma and didn't even know I was walking and functioning in dysfunction. I didn't know. If I don't know, I can't grow. I cannot do something about it. If I don't know, 
So when I learned and when the Lord started revealing things to me, guess what I did? I put in the work. I put in the work. It's one thing to know and you don't do anything, but it's another thing to know and you start working and you start praying and you fast and you read your word and you get around people who who can pray with you. Not just pray for you, pray with you because they're getting in the trenches with you to help bring you out of that miry clay through Jesus. You got to get around some godly, saved people who know the word. Don't let people just pray for you because that means they're doing the work. Where's your part? Pray with you. Help you come out of that. People shouldn't be suffering in the church like that. And people in the church shouldn't stand aside and make judgments about them and condemn them. Make a relationship with people and learn. That's how we grow as the body of Christ. Whew. And I know for some of you, this is going to seem like real stupid. Like, oh my gosh, I can't pray for my enemies. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Let me tell you something real quick. Um, How could you not pray for your enemies? See, when you withhold prayers for people, when you withhold forgiveness from people, you're actually making yourself a judge and you're trying to make yourself like God. And I'm going to tell you, one, um, somebody tried to do that before and they got kicked out of heaven. Um, His name, Lucifer. Uh, Satan, Beelzebub, yeah, him, the devil, yeah, you are not God. You cannot withhold anything. God does not withhold stuff from us when he had the chance and has the chance. He withhold no good thing from those who love him, who worship him. So if he don't withhold stuff, who, who are you? Were you there when he laid the foundations of the earth? So, hmm. That's why the Bible says that this word that is preached confounds wise and um, wise men and women because it doesn't make sense. But how many times have you lied to someone, hurt someone, cheated on someone, threw someone under the metaphorical?